Hey everybody, this is Clover Chat, brought to you by the University of Minnesota Extension and the Minnesota 4-H State Ambassadors. We have started this podcast to showcase all the great things 4-H has to offer. Our podcast will include stories from Minnesota 4-H members, information about 4-H opportunities, and we will also hear from some 4-H experts. Hello! My name is Natalie, and I'm a Minnesota 4-H State Ambassador. I am your host for this episode of Clover Chat. I talked with two local 4-H Extension educators, Christy from Martin County and Becca from Swift County. I also chatted with Douglas County 4-H member Avery about programming she has participated in, and with Amber, who has been one of the leaders with state programming, such as Project Bowl. During these interviews, we discussed how 4-H has adapted to the programming during the pandemic. Today, you will hear my chats with Christy and Avery. You will hear my chats with Becca and Amber on our next episode of Clover Chat. So sit back and enjoy. I'm here with Christy, a local extension educator from Martin County. Christy, would you like to begin by introducing yourself? Sure. I'm Christy Galsic-Pomeranke, and like you said, I am the local extension educator for Martin County. I've been in my position for about seven years now, and before that, I was working at area theaters in the metro area, and before I moved back home to Martin County, where I was born and raised. So it's good to be back and helping out in a community that helped raise me. That's wonderful, and we're so excited that you're here with us on the Clover Chat um, podcast. Um, Christy, like you said, you have seven years of being in your job. What did your job responsibilities look like prior to the pandemic? Well, they were definitely different. It was a lot more, obviously, in-person meetings and events that we were doing. So um, there'd be a lot of nights and weekends that I'd be out at the courthouse doing our events. And then also in the summer months, being at the park, doing day camps and at libraries during after school programming. And then with the pandemic, that's definitely changed, as I'm sure many are aware of and have dealt with as well. So um, it's a lot more virtual now than it definitely was when I started. Definitely. Um, so what was your biggest challenge when changing um, and transitioning within the pandemic? I would say my biggest challenge is, um, or was, I should say, because that was a year ago now, um, was just becoming familiar with all the new technology that was out there and utilizing it the best way I could to ensure that I was still providing an engaging um, virtual experience for my 4-Hers and trying to replicate um, the elements or the key elements that we would have at normally in an in-person meeting and trying to be able to replicate that in a virtual way. And so that was definitely challenging because it was a lot to learn very quickly. And I know teachers and students, everybody else that had to go into a distance mode was dealing with the same thing. But I would say that would definitely be one of the challenges that there was at the beginning of it. But I will say that I'm very grateful 
that the families and members and volunteers I worked with were so flexible and in learning with me. And I'm sure that's because they were also learning at the same time, um, just giving each other grace as we figured out the new virtual mode and being flexible with that. I absolutely agree 100% with you. Um, even like learning technology from being like a younger, like it's still like kind of crazy and like everything's like improved and upgraded as the pandemic has um, continued. So that's good news, but also challenging to learn all the new platforms and what all things have to offer. Yeah, definitely. Um, how have you seen participation change from before the pandemic to almost a year within the pandemic? Are you asking like in modes or like sizes or? Um, I'd probably say in like sizes and just if like you've seen kids interact with each other like more or less or like how it's changed. I see what you're saying. Okay. Um, yeah, participation has definitely been altered with doing things more in a virtual way. And then when we can be in person and, you know, we have to have smaller group size than that. Um, I will say one thing I noticed in a virtual platform is that I've been trying to be more cognizant of allowing transitional times like I would in an in-person because that's when those fun side conversations happen. That's when members are getting to connect with each other is when you have those like leg times or transitional times. So like if we were in person, you know, usually have that period of time as people are coming into the meeting space, signing in, you know, chatting with each other. And in a virtual mode, that might not always happen because as soon as you start the Zoom meeting, you're, you're running with the program content. And so I've been trying to um, be aware of that and try to implement places in which there can be some more of that connection time or even installing like breakout rooms in their Zoom sessions to ensure that youth members have that time to just talk about things outside of what the program content area might be. Maybe it's about a movie they, are, they saw come on Netflix or a show they're binging or a book they're reading or challenges at school. And so um, definitely being aware of that and understanding that that's a you know, a key element of participation for each is that connection piece. And then with in-person, it's definitely different with, you know, smaller group sizes. You have to be um, not as, I guess, not promoting as wide as you'd normally would with programs because you have to keep it a little smaller or you have to do multiple events of the same kind just to make sure that you're keeping your group sizes where they need to be. And then the mask piece in that and safety protocols and I know we used to do a lot more like team building games that involved a lot of physical contact and that and that we can't do that anymore but we're being creative and innovative and finding different ways to do our typical programs in a new and safe way so yeah I loved all the points you touched on and I agree a hundred and ten percent and I have noticed from just being in like 4-H and different activities that almost like everyone is really putting in that key factor of having time to connect with each other and with other youth outside of like what you said outside of the curriculum and which is really good to see because you don't always see that like in school especially it's kind of 
just go, 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 go. So it's, it's nice to have those little breaks and be able to connect like normal again. Yeah. Um, how has planning events changed or progressed within the pandemic? So there's a lot more prep work. Um, being in my job for seven years, I got into kind of a routine. Um, a lot of your events or activities are kind of cyclical in nature. You'll kind of do some of the same programs each year. You have a similar timeline. You might have a new program here and there, but if all is the same, you kind of just get in that mode where you're like, all right, this is the annual science day camp and this is what we do. And um, the pandemic, just like with everything, has definitely thrown a wrench into that mode, which is okay. And it's allowed me to be more innovative and creative. And, you know, thinking about virtual, there's a lot of prep work involved because normally I would just have like my binder in front of me and I'd be presenting the material. Well, a lot of virtual is that you're giving out handouts prior and things like that. So it's a lot more, um, it has to be, I guess, um, better written and things like it's not just me off the cuff I guess talking to the youth it's more um, making sure I have all my points in a written way that is understandable that they could then read and understand without me being there to answer questions right away um, and also like with like we talked about earlier learning the different technologies and the platforms and understanding what they're capable of and then you know, making it work to my program or adapting programs to work with the platform to ensure that we're still providing a positive and engaging program. So that's definitely changed things. And then in the in-person side, um, I might still be doing that science day camp, but now I have to take into account um, my pod sizes, you know, the group size that I have and safety protocols. And are there ways that we can provide supplies teach member that there won't be sharing of supplies. We don't have to worry about sanitizing things as much and making sure I have all the health check stuff that I need, all the sanitizing I need. So it definitely has, I guess, gotten me to be a little more creative, a little more innovative in how I'm outputting programs in that. But again, as long as we still have those key elements of connection, learning, having fun, I mean, that's what really matters at, at the end of the day. If we're able to do that, the mode doesn't matter as much if we're able to provide that for our members and volunteers. Absolutely. What programs are you a part of or have created or changed that help youth interact during this pandemic? Well, there's a lot of that. Um, Minnesota 4-H has exploded <laughs> with virtual programs. And that's great. Like we're able to now provide programs for more of our um, niche project areas or project areas that might not have been as popular. Um, but some kids still are really interested and like it. We're able to then take those and overcome geographic boundaries. So like two kids in Martin County who love performing arts now can connect with um, two kids in Crow Wing County who love performing arts and just creating those moments of connection around similar interest areas. And you're seeing a lot of that in Minnesota 4-H right now. Um, like I gave an example of performing arts. We had our Minnesota 4-H performing arts program this summer that I was a part of, and now we're doing winter workshops with that. Um, I know there's several STEM programs that are doing similar things. And then a lot of the 4-H regions are doing programming together where kids in each of the counties within the region are getting together to do, like I said, STEM projects or outdoor adventures or 
performing arts. I mean, it runs the gamut. It's so fun to see all the new and innovative programs that are coming out for H with this new virtual mode of things that we never really considered before. And I think that's the one nice thing about the pandemic, if I can have one positive mode or note, I guess, about the pandemic is that um, it's allowed us to think outside of the box and literally outside of our county lines that we're usually really stuck in to ensure that we're finding ways to find sparks for the kids and help them find their interest area or their spark to then further grow in that. And so I think even if we get back to some kind of normal, um, we're still, I think we're still going to keep that virtual aspect just so we can keep providing that um, fun project interest area development for the youth in our state. Yeah. Um, with the pandemic, I have also noticed, like you mentioned, like, even though we are virtual and that may suck, there's so many different opportunities that um, have been created, and especially within 4-H. And like you mentioned, there are endless um, opportunities for all ages of youth and all different types of um, interests. And it's just been really great to see and able to connect with those type of people no matter where you're from. And that is pretty amazing. I'm glad you feel that way, Natalie, because you're one of our 4-H'ers. That's good to hear that you recognize that and appreciate that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so what do you hope to gain from being a, a 4-H extension educator during the pandemic? Like, think after the pandemic is completed or ended. So what will I continue, basically? Yeah. Once the pandemic? use from what you have learned from being in the pandemic yeah um like i said i will probably still provide some type of virtual programs in addition to doing in person i think the virtual programs have some positives to them just like i mentioned earlier with being able to connect with those across the region and state as well as um just being able to provide a program that youth can do at their own time if they want or at their own pace or in the winter months, they don't have to worry about driving in a blizzard to the meeting location. So even just having some of those winter meetings, I usually would cancel if we had bad weather, being able to do that in a virtual mode now and having everybody comfortable with doing that when needed. I will also say a thing that's been important for me personally with the pandemic, something I've learned is to offer myself more grace and also offer grace to others. Um, just realizing that we're all human and we're all doing the best we can. And just to remember that as I move forward that, you know, everybody's got their things they're dealing with and we just need to offer each other some more grace as we move through this world together. I love that. Um, to end off our interview, um, do you have any words of advice to leave listeners with? I guess it would just be the grace piece again. Um, we're dealing with, un I know everybody's tired of hearing this phrase, but unprecedented times. Like this is a moment in history that people look back on, like your children's children will look at back on and be like, how did you make it through? And so just know that you don't, 
have to be perfect at everything right now. It's a lot to deal with living in a pandemic and it's okay to offer yourself grace. And again, be sure you're offering grace to others. Just live your life with an understanding and an empathy of what each person's position is, might be in their current situation and to take note of that. And, and again, not be so hard on yourselves. <laughs> We're doing amazing things right now in the middle of a historical pandemic. It's just, we need to be aware of that and be nicer to ourselves, I think. That deserves an applause from all <laughs> 4-H members across the state. That was so good. Oh my goodness. Well, oh, thank you so much, Christy, for joining us on the Clover Chat Podcast. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I've enjoyed our time together. I'm here with Avery, a Douglas County 4-H member from the Liberty Live Wires 4-H Club. Avery, let's start by you introducing yourself to our Clover Chat listeners. Yeah, so obviously, you know, my name is Avery, and I am from Liberty Live Wires 4-H Club out of Douglas County. I am working on being a 10-year member, just finishing up my ninth year this year. So I've been in it a long time. I started in second grade and have absolutely loved it ever since and enjoyed many different project areas, including um, cooking, photography, pets, basically anything that looks fun. I'm willing to try and pretty much go for it. And yeah. Oh, and I'm a junior in high school. So <laughs> Well, it's great to have you on here, Avery, and you sound definitely like a go-getter for HR, which is what everyone strives to be. Um, so we'll just start. Our topic is 4-H versus pandemic, like we mentioned before. Um, so having 10 years in the 4-H and... Um, and you have, like you said, many different experiences. How did your 4-H experience look prior to the pandemic? Yeah, well, obviously there was more in-person meetings, obviously, which I definitely do miss getting to interact with all my club members and that sort of thing. But it also has meant different like ways of looking at the fair. Thankfully this year for our county fair, we did get to go in person. It definitely did look different, but it was still really awesome to have that experience. Um, State Fair obviously was virtual, but I like that they kept it a lot more exciting and tried to keep us um, as engaged as possible. And it definitely has looked a lot different, obviously, doing most of the stuff through a computer screen. But um, I definitely loved all the stuff that they've tried to make it more entertaining and fun than just sitting in front of a screen. Absolutely. I think that we can both say that 4-H has done a great job into transitioning onto the more virtual platform and still making it fun and exciting for us members. Um, and it's great to hear that you still enjoy everything, even though it is on, like you said, a computer screen. It's just a little different, but not in a bad way. Um, what are some positive effects that you have experienced because of COVID in, within 4-H? 
Um, well, probably the biggest thing is being prepared for everything to change and being resilient. I mean, everything with COVID can kind of change at the drop of a hat, depending on like the numbers and stuff with our county. So just being prepared for the change, but also being ready to kind of go if it doesn't change was probably the biggest thing I learned and being willing to change with it. I mean, like if you're not going to change with it, you're kind of going to be left in the dust, but it also teaches all of us to be resilient and just willing to try new things, even though we may possibly not like it. It's always fun to try something new. Absolutely. Earlier, I talked with Becca and this, I just have to mention this because you guys definitely um, had the same idea. Um, she said that she's seen youth members like planning and organizing more. So it was really good to hear from like the youth side that you said that you've been like planning more and being more prepared. So I guess it's definitely the truth. Um, what has been your biggest challenge when dealing with 4-H in the pandemic? Um, probably the biggest like thing that has been hard besides dealing with technology problems, it just being like motivating. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you're at home and it's really easy just to kind of snuggle up in bed and watch Netflix and not want to do anything. But I mean, like 4-H has done a really good job of trying to get us outside and active and those sorts of things. And ultimately, it comes down to just like you wanting to be able to do it and say that you did it um, and just being proud of how you did it, whether you did it to your, the best of your abilities or just tried your hardest. All that matters is that you did it to the best of your abilities. I love that. And I really think that almost everyone that has been in this pandemic can relate that it's so easy to get distracted at home or just kind of just want to have like a little lazy day because I mean you can so but it's good to hear that you have found some motivation and that 4-H has really played a toll in that so that's great um what helps members like you engage in online 4-H programs yeah so I think the biggest thing especially now that comes with being like having them do the online programs is that we get away from being in front of the screen because they have like a lot of different programs where you can get in the kitchen and cook or go outside and do photography or garden or something like that because a lot of 4-H members now are spending their days in front of the computer screen due to school and all those things so it's really fun just to get outside and be away from behind that screen. Oh yeah I agree I mean like I love being able to connect with people, but it's great to like use 4-H and transition from being on a screen to actually doing things, but you still have that virtual aspect, but you get to use it to your abilities. Um, like you mentioned before, do you have any programs that you'd like to add that you have been a part of? Um, in addition to your normal that have occurred from the pandemic? Yeah, so I've done a big part in the photography challenges that the 4-H photography puts out. I think I've done just about every single one that they've put out because I absolutely love photography and just going outside and trying to make a picture out of something that you normally wouldn't. And I also have 
fell in love with doing the cooking challenges that my county puts out and trying to make things out of leftovers and different things that you probably would not use and just throw away. It was really fun to kind of rack my brain into trying to figure that out and always taking on a challenge is fun. <laughs> That's really good to hear. Um, well, with that, I'm gonna leave you with this one last question. What do you hope to get from being in 4-H during the pandemic? Yeah, so I kind of touched on it earlier, but I think the biggest thing that we can all take away from it is just being resilient and being ready to bounce back whenever something changes, even if for say we don't like it, just being able to adapt to it and still find a way to have fun, whether or not that's through a com computer screen or with or without your friends by your side, it's always just fun to try something new and try to do it to your best abilities. Thank you so much, Avery. Thank you. Thank you for joining for the episode of Clover Chat. The next episode will feature my interviews about 4-H in the pandemic with Becca and Amber. If there's a topic you wish to hear the state ambassadors discuss on the podcast, please submit your ideas to mn4h-stateambiadvisors at umn.edu. Clover Chat is sponsored by the number four, the letter H, in the color green. See you next time. 4-H is a youth development program of the University of Minnesota Extension. It is available for youth in kindergarten through one year after high school. 4-Hers participate in hands-on learning experiences in STEM, leadership and civic engagement, animal science, creative arts, and much more. To learn more about Minnesota 4-H, visit z.umn.edu slash 4-H.